Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Oh, hey. Well, it is April. I think the sun's coming out at some point. Here comes the sun, little darling. Here comes the sun, I say. It's alright. It's alright. It is Simone. Here comes the sun on Soho Service. Hopefully, the sun will come out at some point. Moving on, though, I want to play something completely different. Aramaic, goats, and the angel of death. What more could you want? Shulam and Chadgadia on Soho Service. I hope you like that because I've been listening to it for the past week non-stop. Absolutely obsessed. Chadgadia, which is what he just sung, is a piece that's commonly sung on the Jewish festival of Passover, one of the last songs on the Seder night, and tells a story about how, well, in the last verse, the angel of death sl- came, slays the slaughterer who kills the ox, who dr- drinks the water, that puts, they put on the fire, that burned the stick, that beat the dog, that bit the cat, that ate the goat, that the father bought for two coins. One little goat, Chadgadia, Chadgadia. Um, keeping with our theme of spring religious festivals then, I wanted to play something for Easter, which was a few weeks ago. From St. Matthew Passion, this is a bar medich reimagined by Eugene Cicero on Zoe Service. A jazzy reimagining. Cicero and a Bar Medich on Soho Service. Thanks for joining me on Soho Radio. If you want to get in touch, you can at Soho.Service on Instagram. It's been a year almost since we started the show, and I thought this week would be a really great opportunity to look back at some of the guests we've had on and some of the people we've been able to speak to. Reflecting on the year that's been and maybe how things have changed or might not have changed as the years progressed. I wanted to begin with an interview with Marcus Walker that we had back in September. Marcus Walker is rector at Great St. Bart's in the City of London. And St. Bart's is a church that presides over choral ceremony and old-fashioned more traditional choral services and has done for centuries, literally. And I asked Marcus 
what it was for him that music can provide for a community and for a church and what it was like to lose it over lockdown. But the idea of beauty, I mean, that is almost a more sort of philosophical question. Um, what do you think that gave, what does that give to people and what does it give perhaps even to you in your faith? Um, and why do you think that's so important that people experience that within a religious setting? I think beauty takes us out of ourselves. It points us towards the ultimate beauty, which is God. It reminds us that there is something more to life than the mundane, you know, the, all the little things that we just have to get through to get through the day. It, it's wonderful. It, it, I mean, I think beauty never fails to point us to the heavens. And for me, and, and I think actually with music, it does another thing too. It bypasses the rational mind. It goes straight to the heart. It goes straight to the soul. It enables us to see deeper truths without immediately necessarily pr processing them through the mm. brain. Um, so that, that's why I think the beauty of music in particular is so important. Mm -hmm. um, let's let's um, take your first piece to play now. Um, mm. uh, the Gloria from Haydn's um, Santa Nicolai Mass. Why did you choose this? So I chose this actually because it it plays a big part really in my own story it I, I before i was a before i was a priest i was working in westminster and i thought i suppose i thought i'd have a political career in those days and but and i was i was weighing up that alongside the death of a very good friend of mine and i went to a church um in oxford and where I was visiting that 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 weekend, and the and Haydn Santa Nicolai Mass was was the mass setting, and during the Gloria, for some reason, all the different pieces of my life sort of came together like a, like a, like a jigsaw, and I felt absolutely clearly that I should be a priest, which came as quite a surprise to me. <laughs> but yes, just during that piece, very specifically during this, this wonderful little moment with the the, the soprano goes off in glory during Glorificamus Day. And it was just in that moment, everything seemed to come together. Um, so therefore, th this, this, this piece and this section of this piece really speaks to me and, and will for, for the rest of my life, I imagine. <laughs> from the Santa Nicolai Mass, chosen by Marcus Walker from Great St. Bart's, who we spoke to last year. It was really great to hear part of that interview again. Across the road to St. Bart's Hospital, and we also spoke to Sheikh Yunus Dudwala, who's the chaplain there. And we had a really interesting conversation about a whole range of issues and everything that he's come up against working on the front line as a chaplain in the NHS Hospital Trust, also at London's Nightingale Hospital, which is set up in the midst of the pandemic. There are two parts of the interview that I thought might be interesting to go back to. Firstly, we spoke about what it was like for him to do Ramadan last year during the pandemic. And I thought as Ramadan has now come round again, it's just begun. Um, last week, it'd be a good opportunity to have a reflect on some of the things that he spoke about. He also spoke about how we can relate those issues of Black Lives Matter and George Floyd that we spoke about in the summer to the pandemic 
as both of those subjects are in the news again, I thought it'd be a great opportunity to relive part of that interview. Um, speaking more then as, as your role, um, just just as an as an imam and also just also it, as as a religious leader and, and as a Muslim yourself, um, how how has it been? I mean, the past few months as well for a lot of religious festivals have had to change, and that's something I've been asking a lot of my guests previously. How was that for you having to? You know, how has your faith yeah. had to change and adapt over the past few months? How has that been for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's been tough. I think it's been mm. tough for all faith communities. Um, uh, during the first lockdown, when all the um, uh, places of worship were closed, I think that was very, very difficult. Um, the deaths have been difficult to sort out. The uh, funerals has been difficult, yeah. uh, all the rituals that go with it. And then we had Ramadan uh, during lockdown and you know that that was um difficult for many many uh, muslims in this country i usually do lots of talks during ramadan um mm. just before we break the fast um there's always lectures in every single mosque and i deliver one of the lectures every single evening mm. and i thought what's going to happen this year because i was booked in to go to this mosque for five days and another mosque for five days and all the mosques were closed but fortunately we with uh, you know we adapted in a way where i could broadcast my lectures every day from home from my bed um sitting on the bed and uh, delivering a lecture every day to the different communities that were listening in so we had to adapt uh, obviously and it's affected um, the mosques uh, especially in terms yes. of their income as well in terms because their yeah. charities they rely on people coming in and they're not coming in and it affects our spirituality because uh, our connection with our places of worship whether you're christian muslim hindu sikh um is um intrinsic part of our particular faith and to not have that connection to not be able to go it was a relief on july the 4th when the mosques opened up and places of worship opened up for individual worship and then they were opened up for uh, uh, communal worship and it was a huge relief um and again you know there's some mosques who have closed down again yes uh, because of the current wave um it's not a government uh edict to shut it down but uh, because of the numbers of infections in particular areas some mosques have shut down so again it's difficult again but you know we have to try and keep our faith uh, strong through other means uh, whether it's the mosques or whether it's your prayers or whether it's the quran or whether it's just you know for me death is a reminder death yeah. in itself is a reminder and that is part of my spirituality that mm. you know it, it it reminds me of my uh, mortality, and it reminds me of my uh, temporary uh, the temporary nature of this world. Mm. And you know, people who are dying around us, they're not eighty or ninety. Some who are dying are fifty. Mm. Last night, a person died. He was fifty years old. Um, another person died. He was sixty. She uh, she was sixty three years old. Um, so you know, it's death doesn't discriminate in terms of age no when that comes um it comes and i think that for me is part of my spirituality yeah and i i don't without quoting you back to you i, I did listen to your new year message as well um that you gave quite recently and, and you spoke about the idea of um being grateful for just having breath every day and that's something that you've sort of realized and reflected on more recently i was really interested by that i think it, you see i um uh, when I reflect on 2020, there were two uh, big 
uh, news stories that dominated 2020. One was the COVID-19 virus mm. and one was George Floyd. And both are intrinsically connected in a, in a very strange way that um, George Floyd, he uh, had his uh, breath and his breathing stopped by somebody's knee for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Um, so he said, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And he was, that, those were uh, his last words. Mm. And similarly, the people who are dying from COVID-19 are also saying, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. But we can't hear them saying this because mm. their breath is so, so short and they're not able to say it. And for me, it was a reflection of uh, how grateful each and every one of us should be in terms of we are breathing approximately 20,000 breaths a day without even knowing it. Our mm. lungs are functioning uh, without us knowing it, whether we're sleeping, whether we're awake, whether we're walking or whether we're sitting. Our lungs are functioning and working in such a way that we're taking 20,000 breaths a day. And for us uh, as, as Muslims or people who believe in a God, that is something to be grateful for, especially when people are struggling. There are approximately 200 patients currently in intensive care unit at Bart's Health NHS Trust. Wow. Those who are in intensive care unit, they are struggling to breathe. They are being given oxygen and we are breathing without any support. And that mm. is something to be grateful for. Really powerful words there from Sheikh Yunus Dudwala. We loved having him on the show. This is Ahmed Bukhatir on Soho Service. Ya Adiman by Ahmed Bukhatir on Soho Service. It was so great to have Sheikh Yunus Dudwala and we thank him for coming on the show. Last month, we were able to speak to Rachel Wusuagye from the Soul Sanctuary Gospel Choir, a great group that does a lot of work in the community, working to promote gospel music at a variety of churches in London. At one point, we spoke about the church's work they have done to promote um, and to discuss issues around race in a variety of different ways, including their work on social media. One thing, one song we spoke about specifically was Rise and change the world where the choir worked with a poet called Solomon O.B. I didn't have a chance to play the song last month so I thought it'd be a great opportunity now to play the song it's really powerful and what you have to imagine when you're listening to it if you can have a look on YouTube after the show as well I recommend you do is Solomon O.B. is standing there with a massive scroll that he's reading off um, and, and reading this really evocative and important poem so if you can close your eyes and imagine that whilst you're listening to this. The world around you is changing shape. The world around you is changing shape. You have a say in the shape that it takes. You have a say in the shape that it takes. Do not confuse evolution with progress. We are advancing our way towards our own destruction. The shape of the system is clogging the gears, working in reversal to the natural order. We are advancing our way towards our own destruction. And so we must find our ways to make our ways back. Solomon O.B. with the Soul Sanctuary Gospel Choir on Soho Service, on Soho Radio. Someone else who I spoke to last year that I 
really enjoyed meeting and speaking with was Georgia Green, a director who directed The Mikva Project, a play that was on in London until just before the pandemic hit and then helped direct a performance of the play on the radio, which was commissioned for Radio 4 and, and, and went out. And that's how I heard it for the first time. The play explores themes of religion and, and Judaism, what it means to be a Jewish male in the 21st century living in London. Um, something that was very personal for me and also was personal for Georgia and for the community in which she grew up in. And that was something that we explored together and I thought would be worth replaying. You said um, that you chose that song because of the relationship you have with your sister and, and the sort of family. Again, I've, I've said previously on other episodes of the show before that family at this time for so many people has become so crucial. Um, and as well as that communities religiously um, speaking, you know, Soho service, we're trying to focus on religion. Um, religious communities are so important. I found it really fascinating listening to the play because for me, I was transported back to the synagogue, which is a place I haven't been to for three months and it was it was like a very strange experience. Um, all of a sudden, like and you know, there are moments I think they describe the kiddish, which is mm. where after the service you go to and you have you 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 have fish balls and and wine and whiskey, and they say wine and whiskey over and over again um, in the play as well. And I was just sort of we've had to recreate that a little bit at home, but it's something I really miss. Yeah, My friends always laugh how much I miss it. And ultimately, like that was you know, I read so many plays, and that was the reason that I chose this play because. There's something that I felt so moved by the fact that there's so much terminology in it that is so specific to a specific world. And it, and it felt like it never had to explain it at any point. And it's just such a joy. I don't know to see that representation. So um, I'm glad you picked up on that. I, and, th- and that was something I wanted. Yeah. And, and that's something I wanted to ask you as well, because often when we think about even, you know, there, there isn't a huge amount of Jewish productions. I mean, Filler on the Roof comes out every once every, yeah, they, they sort of, they take it out once every 10 years and put it on. Um, and, and, you know, there is there's a lot of things that come over from America as well that sort of have Jewish influences and Israel as well. But sort of Northwest London Jews don't get such an interesting uh, that aren't highlighted so much in when it comes to the arts and that sort of community. I mean, I've I've written here. I remember that you sort of they focus on sort of going up the A forty one at points like that and yeah. this and there is there's so many sort of there are, you know and they talk about the permits for money the entire time and voxel courses and all you know it, it's just it's our world and I guess you know how that must have been so exciting as you said to sort of explore something that was so close to you and it, and again just as you said I found it really nice that they what it was refreshing that you didn't have to you know have some sort of dictionary at the sides of yeah. explaining what all of these phrases meant exactly like it's just so um the world feels so right and um there and um I think you, you spend your life trying to translate how you grew up to people you then meet as an adult and it's just it's just really nice to sort of go back to before that. Um, and also because yeah. it packs such a community to the play and and a conversation around the play. And, and yeah, it was really important. And that was also why we worked really, really hard with casting director Sophie Parrott to find Jew- Jewish actors and see as many Jewish actors at audition as possible because it felt like mm. um, we wanted people that n- knew the feeling of that world. Um, and also because yeah. of, and I understood maybe... The sort of dual uh, situation often of being, often sometimes, maybe just for me, of being Jewish, which is that you kind of are a minority and then sometimes you're not. Um, So it it felt really important to get that experience in the room. That was Georgia Green, director of The Mickle Project, which was on Radio 4 last year. 
Sticking with the Jewish theme, I thought it'd be good to play this. Um, Weeks slash Shavuot by the Israeli composer Zohar Fresco. Um, it explores themes about the upcoming Jewish festival of Shavuot, which is taking place in a few weeks. Weeks slash Shavuot by Zohar Fresco. Wanted to end the show this week by playing some Laura Mvula, the singer-songwriter. I read in an interview she gave a few weeks ago in The Times about her new song, Church Girl. And she wrote really interestingly how she was touring with David Byrne. Um, and the way when she was looking out to the crowd and saw the way they were interacting with him, she said that it was almost like the church of David Byrne. And I was quite happy to worship at his feet every night. She goes on to say that she witnessed people having a very real spiritual experience, which I loved. And she said that her own shows, especially in America, she'd got used to people expressing themselves in certain ways. But this was like church, black church, an intense communal vibe. When her manager asked her what she wanted to make, she said she wanted to make something she could dance to, something she can move to, um, which, as you'll hear in the song, certainly applies in this case. Thank you so much for listening. I'll leave you with Church Girl by Laura Mvula. This has been Soho Service on Soho Radio. If you like what we do, please follow us on Instagram at soho.service to find out more.